and welcome back to Love and Grit. You know, the show that honors the dopest city in the nation, Philadelphia. My name is Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. On today's show, we speak to two highly acclaimed chefs with two drastically different food stories that led them both back home to service their Philly communities. Chef Omar Tate is going from making food for the privileged to providing spaces for the underprivileged. And executive chef Robert Watson moved back to Philly to be executive chef of the highly anticipated Steak 48. What's he doing now that COVID has delayed his opening? So many great things we will explain. But first, it's time for our lightning round of Philly faves. And the topic, Justin, Rachel, are you ready? We're Your ready. favorite Philly meal. Ooh. I have a couple. Uh, I can only select one. But that's the way the Philly phase, the lightning round. Okay, you know what? You, you didn't have to reiterate the rules. <laughs> yeah, it is episode 23, <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, okay, I have a lot of favorite restaurants, but the wings at Star Fusion, so good. They have like this sweet Thai wing that is mm. delicious. And I remember the first time I tasted a meal from Chef Darlene was last year. They catered the opening ceremony for the um Juneteenth parade and festival. Did she do her like crazy fries? Crazy fries was that? They didn't have fries. She has all these amazing toppings for fries. The next time you're watching a football game or you need some wings, yes, yes, ma'am. I'm going to tell y'all my favorite Philly meal, but I'm going to just give a disclaimer that it might take you a minute to actually receive it because we respect how long the wait is at Champagne's over there on Shelton Ave, but it is worth the wait. For a turkey burger with lump crab meat on top. What? You heard me. Ooh. I said a turkey burger with lump crab meat on the top with cheese. Mm. Champagnes. That's my favorite. That's my meal right there. So my got? like yes. comfort food meal would be like, it kind of sounds like that's where we're going, <laughs> is the Bella Burger and sweet potato fries from Hip City Veg. You guys remember oh, we had Nicole yes, there on before? Yes. You know, we order in a lot now these days. I feel like it's pretty healthy. It's a Portobello burger and it's just seasoned so well. It's really good. Really? I'm so- Can we please have the same topic for our next lightning round? Because I have like five more places that I want to say that I love. Well, this is a perfect words. podcast because we're talking to two chefs. Oh, see, there you have it. All right, well, let's get it started, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> Chef Omar Tate exemplifies the true love and grit it takes to be a Philadelphian. This Germantown native started from the foundation of the service industry. Omar made his way by being a porter at the Philly Marriott, working overnights at Rittenhouse Hotel, and even took a lower paying job with a longer commute because he could envision himself becoming a chef. His sacrifices paid off as he left Philly to become a renowned private chef and partner with entities like the National Museum of African American History and Culture. And now he's back home and in the process of funding a community center in West Philly. Yes! Hello, Omar. Wow, thank you so much. So I told you a story in short, but a story Mm -hmm. is never in short. Kind of tell why you came home in the first place. After being so successful, what really brought you home? You know, even before the pandemic started, I was considering moving back home, moving back to Philly after this market that's right down the street from where we live closed down. And it was the closest supermarket to our house. And just to give reference point, we're in West Philly, right off of 42nd and Lancaster. At 42nd and Lancaster was this supermarket called Sunshine that closed in October of 2019. And so the next closest supermarket's 
We're at 40th and Walnut, the Fresh Grocer, and then ShopRite on 52nd in the Parkside neighborhood. So if you look at the map, it doesn't look far, but we do live in the city and we do still have the oldest method of public transportation, the trolley running up and down Lake Sur Avenue. Right. So, you know, access to fresh food, high quality ingredients, things like that has always been a question mark in neighborhoods like this that are underserved. So when Sunshine closed on 42nd Street, I had a conversation with my family about, hey, what if we bought it and like reopened it, you know, just to make sure that we have these things in our, in our neighborhood. But that would have forced me to move back to Philadelphia. I was living in New York in October of 2019 and my life was kind of situated there. I've been thinking about moving back home, period, for Honeysuckle as a project, but the supermarket idea really made me feel the need to come back home. And so I think that I would have moved back to Philadelphia anyway, regardless of what happened. But in March, I was sitting on the couch and watching everything unfold. And, and, you know, basically the news was telling us that the world was about to end. Right. And I was like, well, if the world's about to end, I should just get off the couch and go back home. That was pretty much it. I didn't need New York as much as I thought I needed it. So when you got back to Philadelphia, how do you start to build your life here? Well, basically, I had to build my life here by mentally deconstructing what I thought that I built in the first place. Living in New York for eight years, with Honeysuckle getting the attention that it got primarily as like an art project, a a multi-course, ephemeral dining experience that brought the guests usually of 20 to 25 people into my mind and where my black identity is situated on a plate. Didn't really, it was entirely unnecessary. You know what I mean? At the beginning of the pandemic. But what was necessary are the core values of Honeysuckle. And one of the core values of Honeysuckle is the source of inspiration, which is black people. It was never about food. It's about black people. And so instead of speaking of this community, I wanted to speak back to the community where I came from. And so deconstructing what I built in a way that's not destructive in a way where burning it down and taking it to embers is is not what I was looking at. It was looking at how to reconstruct it in a way that's more holistic. It can still thrive off of the philosophy that it was founded upon in the first place. That's so poetic, especially how you speak about identity. I first met you, there was a fundraiser for the African American Museum in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. and you created these dishes that had so much, I want to say personality, inspiration, because it it basically told your story and your history. It was crab and it had sunflower seeds and it sat on a newspaper. And you Mm -hmm. told us the story of how you created that dish and the significance. Can you tell us a little bit more about when you're thinking about your menus and how you come about telling these stories? And more great. about this crab sunflower seed dish. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know a story. Yeah, the, the title of that dish is Remnants on a South Philly Stoop. And so like all, all the dishes that I make have these poetic titles and oftentimes there are poems that are attached to them. So at the dinner, you would have your menu and all the dishes would have these poetic titles and you would have a zine that I created that corresponded with the meal. I grew up in Germantown, but my family settled here post the Great Migration in South Philadelphia. And so for generations, up until my mom moved out of South Philly around 7th and Snyder, my entire family was South Philly by way of Charleston. Charleston is on the water. 
it also is home to the Gullah Geechee Nation. When you think of what do Black people eat, you wouldn't expect one to say the type of specific regionality that exists in a nuanced way within our culture. And so the Gullah Geechee Nation, they marooned themselves to isolate themselves. And, and through the isolation, they maintained this really distinct and rich Africanness about their existence. And so when you eat the food of Charleston, it works in tandem with the environment, with the water, so crabs, sweet shrimp, mussels, Lots of pork, but really, really rice. Rice is the big thing. Yeah. Rice was king. Rice made this country rich along with other commodified materials, specifically in the antebellum period. When you look at Philly in a dining sense, like what do black people love in Philly? You go to Warm Daddy's, you get the snow crab. You know what I mean? Seafood and crab, fried fish, all these things speak directly back to that lineage in South Carolina. But also I was thinking about when do we enjoy these things? We enjoy these things in the summertime. Where mm -hmm. do I enjoy these things? I enjoy these things on my stoop or on my porch or on the street. Black people like to be outside. Yes. <laughs> we set up the card table. We sit outside. We have a good time. We crack the crabs. We try to throw them in the garbage. Sometimes they end up on the ground. <laughs> we also eat. You know, <laughs> he said we tried. He kept it real. Yeah. And then at, at the end of the day, someone has to sweep it up, you know? But we also like eat sunflower seeds and those shells go on the ground. And so the dish itself is literally the remnants of a good time, the remnants of joy, you know? I love that. And to really drive it home, the newspaper was essential because, hey, like a lot of our messes are cleaned up by newspaper mm -hmm. um, because it's just around and we're not trying to waste stuff. But also the Philadelphia Tribune is the oldest black newspaper that's still in circulation in the yes. country. So well, just um, a plug for Rachel, who won Woman of Distinction oh, from the Philadelphia the Tribune. Thank you. That's Lots not really not. why I asked this story. It's <laughs> 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 you know, the newspaper part so you can then plug me. <laughs> no, it's just so interesting, like how all of this stuff comes around, mm -hmm. like how mm -hmm. interconnected Philadelphia is. Yeah, It yeah. sounds like that's how purposeful Omar is in his cooking, right? Like, well, that's, yeah. that's the thing. All these things seem not connected. Like what does sunflower seed have to do with crab? Really nothing until you really think about what's happening in a space and in an environment. So what I was trying to do was put this environment on a plate as an ode to, well, not even just an ode, but a bridge to my ancestors and back forward into the present. And that's how we got this dish. So talk about the meal, like you talked about some of the aspects of it. What makes a honeysuckle meal? What makes it special that it was such a big deal in New York that you were selling out like private dinners like crazy? Honestly, I think that what it is, I started with, there was a gap. Toni Morrison has this quote that I'm probably going to butcher right now, but she says, write the book that you don't see on the shelf. So that's what I saw in, in the restaurant industry. I didn't see myself on a plate as a restaurant as a concept or as an idea, regardless of who was cooking, whether they were black, white, Asian, whatever. It didn't matter because I'm not, I'm not Southern. In most cases, for one to feel like they need to be successful, the need comes from a framework that already existed and I didn't fit into any of those frames. Being four generations removed from the South, I don't have that affinity for whatever Southern cuisine is. And in fact, I was raised on the essence of Southern food, which is soul food. Celebration dishes like macaroni and cheese and fried chicken and collard greens are staples on a soul food plate, but are often misconstrued as distinctly Southern because they're just not. So in learning and unlearning all these things, I still found that my existence as a millennial, a black male Philadelphian who grew up in the hood, like my food that I grew up eating is one of heritage and pride, but also of survival and strength. My mom was a single mom, you know? And fine dining, if the nostalgia that I was drawing from was gonna be a turkey and cheese sandwich on white bread and yellow mustard, like no one wants to pay $300 a plate for a turkey sandwich, or at least that's how I felt until 
I realized that the care and training and skill set that I've acquired over the past 14 years in the restaurant industry allows me to create not only just a food product or food material for consumption that could be whatever I want it. If I impart my personality and these pointed references to why it's important, my blackness would be just as equitable as anything else in the, in the marketplace. And so that's what I felt like I needed to do. I wasn't making money off these dinners in the beginning. I mean, like barely any money, because also for me to pull these things off, it wasn't just about the food. There's intentional art curation. There's a lot of printed material and stuff like yeah. that. So let me ask you, what was the moment in your career as a Philadelphia chef going to New York where you were like, okay, this was it. This, this one dinner is going to set it off. And now people are going to know who I am and what I do. And how did you do that? I mean, I think I did it because that was never the ambition. The, the okay. ambition was never like, everybody's going to know about this. The ambition was to fill this void and fill this space. You have this like quiet confidence. Yeah. Where did that come from, you know, to get you to where you are? It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of risk. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of art besides mm -hmm. just food and storytelling. Where does that confidence come from to make this a reality that obviously became very popular? I think it came from... I had to take on and adopt an assertive position in this meal. A few weeks ago, someone asked me, is it important for you to allow space for the diner to bring themselves into your dinner space? And my answer was no. Not because I don't respect the diner or I don't want to engage with their personality at the meal, but what often and always does happen to Black Americans in this country is when we show up as ourselves, like, yo, this is who I am, this is what I'm doing, let's talk about this. People are like, eh, I mean, let's talk about, let's, you know, let's, let's create a little space here so we can all kumbaya. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm good on that. I want y'all to hear what I'm saying first and let's start there. Um, no watered down, no assimilation. Yeah. Think it about makes it, it more of an experience than a meal. And that's right. what people are more interested in too. Right, right. The question is, how does one, now that you're back in Philadelphia and Honeysuckle is in Philly and it mm -hmm. was such an esteemed thing in New York, how does one translate that so that, I'm just trying to say, how do folks like me get some, some Honeysuckle? I guess that's what I'm, <laughs> I, I, I just want to know. <laughs> I've actually been in conflict with that myself all year. It's not just that, obviously, New York is a different city. You, yeah. you, you, walk, you walk out your door in New York and you spend $40, and that's for anyone. And so these dinners that I was doing at $150 for public dinners and then $300 a person for private corporate dinners, it's a hefty price tag that doesn't translate and speak to the community here in Philadelphia, obviously, right? Which is interesting because um, there's so much dope food in Philly, but we're just not going to pay all that money for it. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, but it also <laughs> kind of depends on the way it's presented and what the restaurant is. That, that, there's a restaurant called Laurel where I think that their price has started $175 an experience. That's the kind of economy that I wanted surrounding my concept. But because of COVID and because of the pandemic, everyone's like, I'm not spending that much money on food. Period. And plus, don't you want other people that are in different income brackets to be able Absolute. to experience Honeysuckle? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So this grocery store that I'm trying to open is the answer to that question. Where the grocery store itself, it will be a grocery store and a cafe and the supper club can take place in the cafe space on the weekends at different price points for different Ooh, types yes. of engagements. Yes. But also to kind of like decenter myself in this whole thing, what good is a space in the community if it's empty? And so nights when it's not open, it's open to the community for targeted engagements or education, things like that. Because the point is, is that like that dinner experience itself, as great as it was, again, was never really about the food. And so the, everything that I use to create those experiences are also going to be represented as this new 
community center concept. So how do we follow you? On Instagram at honeysuckle underscore projects. The website is honeysucklephl.com. In Philly, when it's time to enjoy, when it's time to celebrate the good times with good company, you gotta break out the good stuff. Have to. Come football season or your favorite movie, it's time to break out the hers. Crisp and tasty, sour cream and onion, salt and vinegar. Every bag is an invitation to a good time somewhere. No RSVP needed. So live it up and crunch it down. For the downright fun times and nothing short of the best times, break out the hers. So imagine it, a 17-year-old Philly boy with chef dreams, starting his career at an Irish pub, learning the ins and outs of the kitchen, moving to work in places like the Warwick, and then leaving Philly to spread his wings to learn even more about the culinary industry. Along the way, he moves up in the world, becoming a sous chef, an executive chef, eventually becoming an executive chef at an Arizona restaurant, which is a part of a family-run restaurant group. Stay with me now. Imagine now this man is offered the executive chef job at that restaurant group's new Philadelphia restaurant set to open April 2020. So you move your wife and your 11 children back to Philly to start a new life in your hometown with your new exciting job. Then COVID hits. Now what? Duh, now he volunteers to fight hunger and poverty. Ladies and gentlemen, Chef Robert Watson. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome home, Chef. Welcome home. Thankfully, it's been a long time coming. What's it been like to open a new restaurant in Philadelphia during a pandemic? <laughs> Never a dull moment. Just been trying emotionally for the family, being locked in the house for three months. I mean, not being able to do anything. It's been tough for me, my family, the employees that we hired. I mean, half of the people I hired at the beginning aren't even here now. Other people, they've taken unemployment or different things, and we've had to like redo our staff and everything. It's, it's just, it's been tough. We know that you've been still involved in the community right away, whether it was through Phil Abundance or Project Hope. In addition to Muslim Serve, can you tell us about what that experience has been like? Eye-opening. I kind of did this in Arizona through a church. I would donate the foods and things of that to the church and the homeless, the clothes or things of that nature. So I just wanted to continue that here as well. And I had a lot of time on my hand. Me and the wife, we actually were just walking down the street one day and we ended up under a task for street bridge and we saw people setting up food trays and we just happened to walk by and we asked them what they were doing and they told us what they were doing and how they were feeding the hunger and then we started volunteering that day and we basically haven't stopped volunteering since that day that we were walking down the street here in Philadelphia. Since the restaurant is open, my wife has been a little bit more active involved with that than me. I just don't have the time that I did coming into town, but I still try to do it on my days off because that's what volunteering really means is doing it when you really don't want to sometimes. Did your kids get involved? Yes, my 14-year-old twins do it. I'm, I'm baiting you because you have a large family. <laughs> I said 11. Well, his, hers, and ours. Me and my wife are both in our second marriage. We have kids from our first marriages and we have kids together. So that's how we're his, hers, and ours. Okay. Currently in the house, we don't have 11 kids in the house. They're growing up and married and have kids of their own. So, so I have four boys in the house with us right now. That's enough. Yeah, that's enough. Four <laughs> boys <laughs> definitely can go through a lot of food with four boys. That's for sure. That's how I grew up. And we talked about how the refrigerator would get full and by the next day was empty and everyone was like, where did all the food go? Do you um, cook at home a lot? I don't buy microwave foods or processed foods. Oh. Everything I buy in my house has to be cooked. 
So okay. you can't get the, you know, the meal, just throw it in the microwave. You got to take something out, plan ahead for, you know, take it out the freezer and you have to cook in my house. We do not do that. The microwave thing. Now, do y'all do flash frying? Uh, are you against that? No, air, fryer. Air, air, fryer. air fryer. I do not own one of those because that really kills your food. Be honest with you. Talk it's about it. Teach me. The, you know, Please your, don't your say that because that no, is no, like no. the easiest thing for me. <laughs> it may be, but I want to. I want to be the best cook I can it's, be. So it's teach easy, me. Easy, but but it's taking all the nutrients out of your food. Though it's just like a microwave. You're killing everything. It really. The value of what you're eating is no longer there once you do it that way. That's why right. everything I teach my kids to cook, the sautés, the blanche, the, to do it the proper way. It takes a little bit more time, but the quality of what you're getting is much better. Thank, Thank you, Chef. That way. <laughs> yeah. It's the love you put into it. Yeah. Yeah, it and he it's just gave you some grit. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me some like get I wasn't your life, trying get to together. call anybody out or anything like <laughs> No, we appreciate the education, Chef. That's not just uh, met uh, you, uh. Chef. Fine, be that way. Sorry. Take this medicine. Now that you've returned to the region, how do you make sure your kids know about Philly and experience mm-hmm. Philadelphia and the countryside? I'm an outdoors guy, especially coming from Washington and Arizona. I spent a lot of time outdoors. Since we've been here, we've been camping. You know, I take them everywhere because I just want my kids to have a lot of different experiences. It's good for them. They see a different culture. You know, Washington's a little different. Arizona's definitely different from Philadelphia. My kids love it, actually. You know, I was about to been, ask, what do they love the most? Like between the food, the culture, um, the music, but, goodness gracious. Before the shutdown, they loved all the outdoor activities here because we live downtown and going to the parkways. Those things weren't here when I left Philadelphia in 91. Mm-hmm. The city was quite different for me back then. I thought it was quite segregated back then. To now I'm seeing, I'm like, wow, this is pretty diverse compared to when I left this town. So I like the culture that the kids are getting to see that they couldn't see in other areas and just being outdoors and the bikes and I, I do miss the backyard for plans like that. But there's so many parks here that you can go out to. And we spend a lot of time in the parks and just getting outdoors and being together as a family. Steak 48 is really a special restaurant. You're on the Avenue of the Arts. It's beautiful and new and big and luxurious. And it's really exciting to have a restaurant of that caliber in Philadelphia on the Avenue of the Arts. Tell us a little bit about Steak 48. It's amazing to hear the history of this company that's new to Philadelphia and how community-oriented they are. Be honest with you, I've never worked for another company like this, a management team, an ownership like this ever before. They are so employee focused and driven. Making money is important to everybody. Don't get me wrong, but they do so much for us as managers, for hourly employees. I mean, this the, the whole time this pandemic was going on and the shutdown was happening, we had people that hadn't even worked a single hour for us that we were providing food and medical supplies and whatever they needed just to get them through until we had a chance to get to the opening and start training. So that kind of leadership and showing that you care just from the top, it makes me want to make sure I take care of my people the way that they have taken care of me. And that makes me want to be a better person and do the best I can for them. The menu is the best 2% of meat you can get in the country. We have fish that's flown in every day. We have lamb, pork. We have everything on our menu. It's not just a steakhouse. I really do like my veggies as well. The sides are the star there. Yeah, I mean, the the cream spinach, the cream corn. I mean, I personally love Brussels sprouts, asparagus. And the mushroom blend that I have here is pretty special. It's not just your average white mushroom. It's a nice blend and it's seasoned well. We work on giving you the best products and the best service that we possibly can every moment that you're in the door. I know things didn't go as planned, but 
at the end of the day, because you walked down that street at that time under Tasker Street Bridge, does it feel like this all was destiny in a way? I do, in a sense. You know, I feel like, you know, it was a plan for me to be here, especially with all the different things that have went on, even though it wasn't a plan. But I I think I was meant to be here. You know, I think it it helped my marriage. I, I spent no time at home, you know, so that gave me a time to focus on my family, focus on my wife and things of that nature. So, yes, it was hard not working, but it benefited me in so many other ways with the family and just life in general. So I'm sad, but happy at the same time. Let's talk a little bit about the volunteer work you did during the time when you weren't open. What did you take away from that during this particularly tough time? You know, I found that the the unsheltered, a lot of them are very smart and, and educated people. Just that Some of them just have had bad times or have got themselves into things that they couldn't get out. A lot of these people are not bad people. They're good people and just in bad situations. They brought me pleasure to talk to these people sometimes. And maybe I'm the only person that person talked to today, you know, who's somebody that showed that they cared and gave them some attention. And I don't know, I just enjoy helping people. I enjoy doing whatever I can for all people, not just unsheltered. If someone else, somebody needs my help, I'm going to try to help them. That's just what we have always done as a family. And I have always done growing up here. What are you looking forward to now that you're home in Philadelphia and have this great restaurant on the Avenue of the Arts, which is a very special place in Philadelphia? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely a special and unique area and a building to be in by that means especially being historic and that was part of the reason why it took so long to get it open because you couldn't just take down this wall or remove this one you had to work around things inside of it so in that sense it definitely makes this building this restaurant very unique the area has definitely changed we're in the heart of the theater district everything is around us so once the city opens back up we're going to really explode in this city i think we're making a name for ourselves now at you know, the level that we are. But once the city opens back up, I really think that we will be the talk of the town. Yeah. It's You know, what Philadelphia really needed a restaurant like Steak 48. That was the first thing I thought when I saw it and ate there. Like it was sort of like a missing piece of Philadelphia. Once we get theater back, it's going to be just so popular. Nowhere to go but up. How brilliant of them to bring Chef Robert Watson back home to his hometown. Yeah, this is my third restaurant with this company. My first opening with them, I've actually went into other restaurants that they had established with it. But my record proved itself. I've always turned the restaurants around, made money, and they knew I was from this area. They knew it was going to be tough. They know the people. Everything is a lot different on the East Coast compared to the West Coast. It's, It's night and day almost. So I knew that it was going to be a challenge. We do what we do best we would be able to make our name for ourselves. I think it's dope to welcome you back to the city, which is now a capital for top chefs, to welcome you back to this city, which is now a capital for dope black chefs. It's amazing. Welcome home. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be back. It really is. Okay, I'm going to take you guys on dates to Honeysuckle and to Steak 48. I swear. I'm looking forward to that. I I don't want no monetary limits, Justin. It's on you. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point, Laya. Thank you. And I'm not ordering a salad. Three courses? Why? One drink each. One drink each. (laughs) No. Champagne? Restrictions? Excuse you. You invited us out. And we're we're going. And we're going to have a wonderful time. It's a great meal. And I want to try one of those Honeysuckle meals. I mean, it's just amazing how much passion he puts into it. And and like, Mm. just so 
quietly determined. Yeah, God bless his mother. I was like, that comes, that's that's something deep. That comes from some inside ancestors or something like that. Yep. Yeah. We appreciate y'all listening. We hope you tell your friends how much you like Love and Grit and like us wherever you listen to us and make sure you subscribe and check out visitphilly.com for everything you need to know about what you can do in Philadelphia during the holidays. Mm-hmm.